welcome back to our series. This is week two in the series that we've titled, Love Always Changes You. And the idea is this, in Love Always Changes You, I want to look at the power of experiences. Because there are certain extraordinary experiences that have power to change us for good, even transform us. And through this series, I, I want to tell my own story of growing up and then later becoming a pastor and how the experiences of my life have shaped who I am. If I reach back when I was seven years old, we were living deep in the rainforest in West Africa among the Sapo people. And my mother had quickly, when we moved there, even though she hadn't been trained as a nurse, had quickly become the nurse or the doctor for the entire region. People from villages all around would come. Well, one night, it's well after midnight, we had been asleep for a while, and I hear this banging on the front door. And the sound in our bamboo madhouse just traveled right into our bedroom. So my twin brother Paul and I, we came, came stumbling out, and we see that there's a guy bleeding, literally bleeding to death at the front door. And, and some guys from the village across the swamp, Plantabalabo, had brought him over. He had gotten into a machete battle with another guy, and the guy had sliced him on the neck, got a swing in on his neck, and had severed an artery. So with every pump of his heart, there's blood shooting out of his, his neck. And I was like, whoa. And then my mom, as soon as, as soon as she sees him, she grabs some towels, gets him down on the floor, and p- starts putting compressions on it to stop the bleeding. It's a miracle he made it over to our house. And then she looks at my father, and she says, I have a suture kit. She said, but but his artery is severed. I, I have never sewn an artery back together before. She said, I think you need to get him to the German doctor who works at the lumber company. About, a, 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 uh, about an hour drive away through the swamps, there was a doctor there, a German doctor. So my father loads him into this small FJ that we had. And my mother gets two guys in the back, gets them with towels pressing on his neck. And she said, you can't let up or he will die. And then they're off. And the next morning at breakfast, my dad had made it back before sunrise. And so we asked him, we said, is he going to make it? Is he going to make it? And he said, I think so. The German doctor was able to sew up the artery. I think he might make it. Well, about two weeks later, this young guy shows up at our front door, smiling ear to ear. He's got a, he's had stitches. His stitches are still healing all the way across his neck. Huge huge scar. And, but he's holding a chicken and he brings the chicken to my mother as a gift. I share that because when we moved to Africa, my father had moved us across the Atlantic Ocean in order for him to train pastors, right? And that's what he did, and that, but that, that's what he came to do. But then he ends up not just training pastors and preaching on Sundays, but he ends up digging wells for every village around us. My, father, my mother is, counting, is treating countless people from hundreds of villages. Our back porch, she outgrows that, so my father builds her a clinic. My father also is building dorm after dorm for the girls from the villages so they can escape becoming child brides and attend, and attend this Christian boarding school. So he has gone there to do the best thing, to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. But then he starts blessing the people who we are among, and my mother too, blessing them by the things that, that we can do. And so that's why I say the experiences of blessing others, it starts to change the us. And I say that because not long after that machete wound, we'd only been in this bamboo madhouse for about two years when our our house burned to the ground. 
And some Americans said to my, my parents, they said, you need to go back home to America. They said, maybe God doesn't want you here, and that's why you let your house burn down. And my parents said, no, this is home. Because the experience of, of blessing others had changed them. In fact, it became home to the point my father died there last year. My mother still lives in Africa. But that's what happens. The experience of blessing others, it ends up changing us. When I say that, it reminds me of the story of Abraham where we started last episode in Genesis. I want to go back and read you again what, what God says there. Because after God says to Moses, move, and that was our word last week, our word this week is bless. So after he says move, he says bless experiences that God uses us in to bless others, my point is, they end up changing us. So look at Genesis. This is Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And listen to this. And all the peoples on earth, all the nations of the earth, will be blessed by you, through you, because of you. So do you see what God is saying to Abraham? He's saying, when you, when you receive my blessing, then you in turn will be a blessing to all the other people out there. God is saying, go out and convert your blessing. If you've been blessed, then convert that into a blessing for others. What do we have to do in order to convert our blessings into a blessing for others? First, we have to realize that we have been blessed, that you live in blessing. Now, a lot of times when I talk about making change in places like Haiti or Thailand or Liberia or Malawi, where we take people, I, people sometimes say, well, I, I don't have enough to help. I, you know, I'm so broke, I can't do anything for anybody else. And I want to say, oh, that's so weak. And it's not true. Because I've spent about half my life living in developing nations. And I tell you what, compared to people who live in developing countries, you are affluent, period. The average American house has more televisions than it does people. You are affluent. The fact that you drive a car or own a car makes you about the most wealthy people from person where I come from in West Africa. You, you are a big shot if you own and drive a car. My point is, you are blessed. We have to recognize that we have more resources and more, more affluence than we, than we think. And you can make a difference with that. Uh, when you... I think the second thing is, if you are going to convert your blessing, you have to see and recognize the oppression of others. And so last episode, we were in Genesis. Today, I want to move to Exodus. We want to go from Abraham to Moses, because this is what God says to, to Moses. He says this. This is Exodus 3, verse 7. And God speaks. He says to Moses, I have seen the misery of my people. I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. I have heard their cry, and I have come down to rescue them. Those, make that your Lectio Divina today. Would you just kind of let those words sink in? I have seen the misery of my people. I have seen the oppression of the Egyptians. I have heard the cry 
of my people, and I have come to rescue them. So God hears, God sees the oppression, the injustice, and God comes to their rescue. This word here that Moses uses when he writes, this word cry, and when God says, I've heard the cry of my people, it's, it's the Hebrew word sa'ak. Sa'ak is a very important word. It's S-A-A-Q. Sa'ak means when I cry out because I'm in pain or I cry out because I am wounded. But not only is, is sa'ak a word of desperation, sa'ak is so interesting because sa'ak cry out, to cry, it asks a question. Sa'ak says, do you hear my cry? Sa'ak asks, have you seen my trouble? Sa'ak asks, did you see what they are doing to me? Do you see what just happened? Did you see that? Sa'ak says, is there justice? Sa'ak asks, will will you step in and intervene when I'm discriminated, discriminated against, when I am treated as less than, when I'm treated in equal, in equally, Sa'ak says, what are you, am I in this all alone? The Exodus story shows us how people, when they suffer oppression and injustice, that God hears their cry and he comes to their rescue. And I say all of that because now you and me, as God's people, we too must hear the cry of the oppressed. We too must open our eyes to the injustice and we too must take action and come to the rescue of those who are treated less than. Here's the problem. I I, I said the challenge to Abraham is to convert your blessing. The problem though is instead of converting our blessings, so many in our society, we consume our blessing. We stockpile our blessing. We store up our blessing in storage units and in bank accounts rather than convert it. Can I, can I just challenge you with this today? That your God-given calling is to convert. Take what God has blessed you with you in your life and convert that into a blessing for others. The question is, in what ways, how will you use your blessing to be a blessing and spread the kingdom of heaven here on earth. I think if we're going to convert our blessing, we also not only have to see that we have been blessed, but secondly, we have to listen for and hear the cry, hear the sa'ak of all people who are oppressed and stepped on and pushed down and treated unjustly. I think it's easy, isn't it? Let's be honest here. It's easy to ignore and to be deaf to the cries of Sa'ak, if, they, if we are not the ones being oppressed, if it's someone else doing the crying out, if we're honest, we can simply ignore that. When the system works for us, when the system works for me, if I'm honest, then, it's, then I, it's easier for me to say, well, the system is fine for everybody, when maybe it's not, when maybe in many ways it is wrong for many other people. When the discrimination or the inequality is against someone else, it becomes easy for me to turn a blind eye or have a deaf ear because it's somebody else. But in order for us to truly be God's people, as God calls Abraham and Moses to be, we have to hear the cry of the oppressed and we have to respond to that just like God does. Egypt shows us this Egypt story of people being in slavery. It shows us how all through human history, 
certain groups of people have used power to preserve their privilege. And that's what was happening in Egypt. I was teaching a class this last spring in our Justice College preview series, and my class was on social justice. And so for one of the lectures, I invited in a friend of mine, Dr. Adama Salu. And because I know at ASU, she teaches a class titled Power, Privilege, and Oppression. And I said, Dr. Salu, we need you to come in and speak on power, privilege, and oppression. I said, It's just a one-night lecture, but I need you to put all your content from one semester into this one night. And it was stunning. It was one of my favorite lectures I've ever heard as she talked about her story and about the issues of power, privilege, and oppression in our society. And if you're wondering why is Adama Salu's voice so powerful and strong, it's because she was born in a place where power was used to preserve privilege. She was born in the West African country of Sierra Leone. And when Adama Salu, Dr. Salu was born, the uh, Sierra Leone was still a British colony. So she was raised in a culture knowing what power and privilege was like. She, she knew what it was like to be the oppressed, to be the one who needed to be set free. And so she speaks with that kind of voice. Uh, my point is around us every day, there are people and people groups using power to preserve their privilege. And we have to be voices against that. We have to turn the tide on that. What is oppression? I've used that word several times today. Oppression is when those in power use their power to preserve their privilege. Our eyes need to be open to that. In the Old Testament, as we read it, God sends a liberator against the powerful to free them. He sends his person, Moses. And Moses' story is about liberating people from injustice and oppression. It's about standing up to an empire. It's about standing up to a pharaoh. And so the great lesson here in Exodus is that first God uses a person and then God uses a people to set others free. So when Moses and the people of Israel escape Pharaoh and they cross the Red Sea, you might think the story's over. You might think, all right, he got them out of there. No, the story just starts. Because as soon as they cross the Red Sea, he takes them to the foot of Mount Sinai, doesn't he? And he says, hang on, sit right here, because I think right here God is going to speak to us. So so then Moses goes up on Mount Sinai and God speaks And God starts to to give him what we know today as the Ten Commandments. Let me read you this. This is from Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to start in verse 1. God says, I am the Lord God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I am your liberator. How do you like that? And then we read this. One, have no other gods before me. Two, do not make any idols. And I'm going to pause there for a second. Because when we read that, do not make any idols, well, it kind of makes sense because we knew that all the Canaanites people had carved images of their gods with a small g that they, that they worship gods made out of stone and marble and iron and wood, right? And, and so God says, have no, no idols, no icons before me. But you see, underneath that story, God is saying, don't cheap carved idols don't represent me. 
But underneath that is a story that you are my people. You represent me, not some cheap carving. You are my people who will bring my kingdom and spread it on this earth. That was the people of Israel's calling, and that's our calling. God says, you are my representation. Now go and be my blessing. In other words, God's people are his means of blessing those who are in poverty, those who are desperate, those who are oppressed, those who are being treated unjustly. Here's the thing, and if if you're writing anything down today as you listen or watch, then write this down, that God is disturbed by injustice. God is disturbed by injustice and oppression of any kind, and he wants it stopped. And here's the kicker, that you are God's means for ending that injustice and oppression. God uses a person like Moses. God uses a people like the people of Israel, and God wants to use you. God is looking for a person like you. He's looking for a people like a church. He's looking for a people like the church, the grove, to use us as his people to make change for good. There's another commandment here. The third commandment, if we keep going in verse 7, says, Do not take the name of the Lord God in vain. That word take is a very interesting word because, sure, it means don't use, but the word, the, the word take, nasa in Hebrew means do not carry. Do not take along with you. Do, uh, do not lift it up and move it to another place. Don't take the name of God with you and misuse it, but you as God's emissary, you as God's representation, take his blessing with you. Take the best qualities of God with you and you become a blessing, especially as you become a person who stops in, steps in to stop the injustice, to end the oppression. As we continue reading the Torah, and and I said in this series, love always changes you. As we take one word each week, it was moved last week, it's uh, blessed this week. As we take those words, we're going to make our way through the Torah, then the historical books of the Bible, then the wisdom books, and so on until we reach the end. And as we read through the Torah, time and time again, if you keep reading, you'll see that God calls his people, for example, to reach out to the poor and bless them, to invite the stranger, the, the immigrant, the foreigner into their homes, to do not deny justice to those who are being treated unjustly, to lift up and care for the widows and the orphans. That's all in the Torah. So God is saying clearly, what I did for you And what I'm doing for you as a blessing, now turn around and do it for others. Convert your blessing. And I don't think any of us should miss here that God measures the faith of his people by what they do or do not do to share his blessing with the least and the last, with those who are stepped on. God measures our faith by that. I want to invite you as we end to pause and reflect. I want to leave you with some questions, kind of an assignment, okay? First, I want you, maybe you need a pen, but without thinking much about it, make a list of your blessings. What are the many ways, without even hardly thinking about it, that you are blessed? Count your blessings. And then I want to ask you this. Are you surprised by how many blessings there are? Because you probably are blessed more than you've thought about in a while. And then ask yourself this. How can I use those blessings 
to convert them and become a blessing to others. And I would ask you to dig deep in your heart and ask, why have I not converted my blessing? Maybe you have been privileged. Why have you not stepped up to be a voice for others who are disprivileged and stepped on and discriminated against? Because now is a time for you. Maybe can you think of a specific person or place where you can start to become a blessing to others in this world, just like God calls Abraham to be and Moses and you and me. It's good to be with you today.